We hope. <laughs> thanks for being here this morning. Um, thanks for just uh, everyone coming together and just uh, having that time of fellowship too, even before this session, just to encourage each other and uh, ask how the week went, how everything was going. Um, always know that um, it's very important for us as a church to be prayerful for each other as well, too. Don't take anything for granted. Uh, don't assume that everybody is doing great. Go ahead and ask them. I think that's always a good thing to do as well, too. So that's, that's much appreciated as well, too. And uh, thanks to all those who put out the, the spread this morning as well, which is uh, very important um, for our semblance of continental breakfast. So we appreciate that. We're getting back, and we're going to be probably concluding today the Lesson 11 um, the hide-and-seek lesson uh, from the Jennifer Rothschild study, Missing Pieces. And I wanted to just briefly recap a little bit about what we talked about and move into the final category that we were mentioning about how we can feel um, like it's, uh, we, we are hiding from God because of things that we experience. And knowing that those are all basically tricks and lies from Satan to keep you away from fellowshipping with the Lord. Amen? Um, that's a very important takeaway from this study as well as future lessons that we'll be getting into as well here. So we're still with lesson number 11, um, and we're going to be kind of on page 3, which is the page where we kind of left off last week, and we'll be finishing up with uh, the rest of it today. Let's go ahead and get started and meander back into the study and we're going to go ahead and look to the lord with a word of prayer and we will get started dear heavenly father we just thank you for this time that you give us to come together to sit and hear you speak to us through the power of the spirit we thank you for how you quiet our souls and spirits where we can hear you where we can hear you speak to us individually we thank you for that we thank you for this time lord we know that this time is important uh, as much as it is for our own individual study. And we just thank you for the ability to now get together as a group and speak about how you teach us, how you direct us, how you guide us. We thank you, Lord, and we ask all of these things with good discussion in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. This study is talking specifically for just as a brief recap about how we can feel removed from God and we want to hide from God. The very nature of what <clears throat> Adam and Eve did in Genesis when they had committed the sin by eating the fruit that was forbidden. And immediately their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked and they wanted to hide from God. And there are many moments in our lives, if we are being really honest with ourselves, where when we recognize our sin, we feel naked and we want to hide from God because of our transgression, because of what we are experiencing. And what we had mentioned uh, in this lesson, just to recap, that there were three different categories uh, that we were looking at that involves this wanting to hide from God. The first one was about shame. Okay. Shame, being ashamed of who we are, or being ashamed of ourselves, and thinking that, well, well, God would want to have nothing to do with me because of what I had done. The second category was suffering, 
The suffering comes from what we experience because of that transgression, where there may be some sort of, not so much physical suffering, but emotional suffering, the mental suffering from that. I think most of you, and if not all of you, understand what that is, this suffering that, we, that takes place, where the psalmist was writing about what he's asking for from God just to feel some sort of relief from that suffering. And the final category that we're going to look at in greater detail today is sin. Sin itself. Of course, we talk about sin and what sin does, but let's look at this now in more detail. And we understand that this sin is what separates us because of our fleshly behavior, because of our fleshly nature. We tend to gravitate towards sinful behavior, and we have to make ourselves go to God. Amen? Amen? I'm just checking to see if y'all are listening. We have to go to God for relief from this because our natural tendency is to sin. And of course, no one wants to talk about this. This is a subject sometimes that's not broached very much uh, when we look at Maybe the casual, average, average, everyday church. We don't talk about sin as much as we should, but we should be talking about it all the time. You know why we should be talking about it all the time? Because we do it all the time. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Our fleshly nature draws us to do sinful things. And we have to recognize that and be honest about it. At the, on the handout on page 3, right in the middle where you see the number 3, sin, that's where we're at, and we're going to pick up from there. Though God is omnipresent, we can become separated from him through loss of intimacy. Loss of intimacy. That's a very important thing for us to understand. The intimacy factor comes with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that is being nurtured and developed, and it's intimate. It's ongoing. When we are less connected with Jesus Christ, we are more prone to sin. Period. Isaiah 59.2 says, Your iniquities have built barriers between you and your God, and your sins have made him hide his face from you so that he does not listen. Now, you have to understand something about what's being written here. Those are all figurative statements. We do know that God loves you, hates the sin, but loves the sinner. And always has a door open for you to return to him. But just in the same way that you feel shame, where you feel as though the Lord is hiding his face from you, that's what this writer is saying here in this passage, that's because of what you perceive. That's your perception. Because you're ashamed, you think he is hiding his face from you. You believe he has kept barriers up for you, from you. Because that's what you experience. You have to understand something. The Bible is not written for God's benefit. The Bible is written for your benefit. To understand how he wants you to see how you react and how you behave and how you are to come to him. It's all based upon your feelings, your emotions, how you're built, how you are put together as a person. 
So when the Isaiah 59, 2, that he's writing this thing about barriers and hiding his face, understand something. That's what you feel because you're ashamed because of sin. You want to hide. You don't want, really, the Lord to look upon you. That's exactly what Adam and Eve experienced in the garden. They wanted to hide. So you can almost make a calculated guess that sin, when it's full-blown in this instance, in this conversation, you just want to hide from God. Just based upon what Adam and Eve did. Remember, Adam and Eve had a great relationship with God. Well, they were the only humans. And God had created both of them. And ultimately, it came down to disobedience that caused this shame, that caused this suffering, and it just brought into their lives now the practice of sin. In the tradition of Hebrew poetry, the two parts of the verse may simply mean the same thing, but they seem to have different points of emphasis. The first portion seems to point to sin causing our blindness to God, while the second portion to his separation from us. Here's a question for you. How would you say our sins erect barriers that prevent our seeing God? Notice how it says barriers preventing you from seeing God. God can see you. God can see you. But what does sin do? How do our sins erect these barriers? You can call them invisible walls, whatever you want to call them. It doesn't really matter what it is. How does this affect our preventing seeing God? Yes. I think that sin begins to destroy faith. Okay. Okay, that's the full-blown aspect of sin that we read about in Scripture, what sin leads to. Sin leads to death, amen? amen. amen. Everybody agree with that? Sin, full-blown, leads to death. It leads to death. And we need to understand that that passage is not just meant for non-believers in Jesus Christ. It applies to believers as well. Thank you. That's exactly right. It does apply to believers. And you have to understand what these barriers, what else do these barriers do? That's an excellent point about the faith aspect of it. Well, yes, go ahead. Yep. Yep. You're just wallowing. You're you're laboring. You're you're not able. Just the psalm. The psalmist was writing that very thing. He was laboring because there was emotional suffering that was taking place. Very very true. It's healthy to talk about what sin does because we need to understand if we talk about what sin does, we can now look at remedies for that. 
A lot of people walk around day by day and they don't have a clue what's going on with their lives. Amen? You, you probably know people like this. They have no idea what's going on. Go ahead. That's right. That's right. It's all good news. There absolutely is good news. That's right. The good news is that we have a remedy for this sin. Amen? That's the thing we need to understand. That is the good news. But we also need to talk about what happens to us when we do sin and understand that we don't want to stay in that state. Yes. Yes, you are. And what, that's what happens when you, when you get involved in sin that you won't give up. That's correct. And, and uh, when, when you lose that, that uh, concern, you're in big trouble. And what's even scarier about that? There's a passage in Scripture. I cannot, I'm having a mental block where it is right now, but God will allow people to just stay in their delusions. That is really where they're just, they just keep going and going. And a reprobate mind, that's right. That's the, that's the thing that's really, really dangerous to, under, to see. You know, there's a, go ahead. Another thing is I, I, I hear sometimes I hear Christians say, I can't go through a day without sin. I think if that's true, you're in big trouble. Well, you're, because you're already basically predisposing yourself to say, I'm going to sin today. Yeah. The scripture says there are some things that are not profitable, but are not sin. Right. Correct. And, and when we start adding the not profitable things to sin, mm-hmm. then we become discouraged. Yeah. Because we think we're in sin constantly. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I know that when, when I have that temptation to be in, my big one is I get angry. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want it like this. I want to say, oh, Lord, forgive me. Mm-hmm. And restore in me uh, a, a proper attitude and, and because I don't want to go through a day without yeah. my relationship being The most important thing that Paul is referring to, see, Paul hit a button. He knows that he can't get angry because he knows that he doesn't respond well. So he understands what he needs to do to be able to react to that. That's why we need to talk about this. Everyone has something where there is a hot button or something in your life that you need to be ready to deal with, to repent and turn away from it. That's something that's very important. And Arella makes a great point. We don't talk about it enough because we need to understand that, yes, A lot of people do need to know there is good news. But just like I said before, the reason why I said a lot of people don't have any idea what they're doing with their lives and what's going on with them, they will find diversions or things to try to help them get through and cope with this lack of understanding of who they are. You need to know who you are as a person. You need to know who you are as a person. You need to know... And, and you should be able to because you've got a track record, for goodness sake, in your life about those things that draw you into sin. 
That's why it's important for us to remember that God gives us the ability through Jesus Christ to resist temptation, to deal with anything because there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that as you are experiencing, other people have experienced, but he gives you an ability to escape it. Now you need to know what those things are to connect the dots. To be able to say, I have a way of escape. That's a great takeaway. And it's a reminder that God is giving you this opportunity to get it fixed. Get it fixed. But in order to fix it, you need to know what you're fixing. Amen? Well, we, we were looking, uh, when we were in the process of selling my mother's house, we were looking at the, her refrigerator. And all of a sudden, the refrigerator was keeping food cool and everything else, and all of a sudden, it just stopped working. Well, I, I look at the refrigerator. It's one of those fancy refrigerators, you know, that you can put the, the drink in there or whatever and get water out and all that. And, and those things didn't seem to be working. Nothing was working. So all of a sudden now it wasn't a working. It's like, well, now we've got to sell this house. We've got to get this refrigerator fixed. So anybody knows anything about refrigerators, especially the modern day ones, they have a lot of parts. They have a lot of things that you need to look at. And sometimes it's a system of trial and error. The repairman came in and we found that the problem was there was a part that needed to be replaced because it just had worn out. Well, I would never have found it on my own. Sometimes you just have to have that trial and error to see what's going on. In many cases in your life, sometimes you just have to make a list of these things that get you tripped up and pray up on it and pray about it as you discover what these things are and recognize what you need to do to try to fix those issues. It's really important for you to do that. Sometimes it is a process of trial and error. Lord, if I'm still learning about who I am, sometimes I have to figure out what I'm all about. What do I get excited about? What do I not get excited about? You learn who you are as a person. But this is going to help you as you direct yourself to resist this thing called sin, where you're not saying every day, well, I'm going to blow it again today. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Well, you've already lost. You ever, can you imagine? You already have the victory in Jesus Christ. But basically, when you're about to cross the goal line for the winning touchdown, you turn around and run 99 yards the wrong way. That's what you're doing. You're, you're taking a win and turning it into a loss. Now, why would you do that? Is Satan got you that befuddled that you would do that? Yes. Absolutely. Because, in my opinion, everything's based on a lie somewhere. Yes. That, that's why when I, whenever I pray, I always start out, Lord, search my heart and reveal every wicked way in me mm-hmm. so that I can address those things because our pride can hide the sin in our lives mm-hmm. and justify it. Mm-hmm. And, and I see people that one day they're very strong on something then it involves them personally, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. they change. That's right. Uh, so I ask, I ask 
That's right. Can't live our Christian life as if you're a golfer and you take a mulligan. That's a big lie. Anybody know what a mulligan is? A mulligan is basically if you make a mistake, if you hit, you just a do-over. That's right. Well, that's, that's against the rules of golf. You can't do that. You're supposed to hit the ball wherever it goes. If it goes in the water, you can do a drop you know, on the ground or whatever because you can't go in the water and get it. But you can't live your life as a Christian taking mulligans all the time. You've got to be honest about who you are and where you're at. I'm having a new appreciation for the game of golf. It's a very skilled game. But you know what? If they hit a bad shot, guess where they got to go? They got to go off on the sidelines and they got to hit that shot out of the woods, wherever it goes. It reveals your character. Yes, it does. Someone else had their hand up. Ed, did you have your hand up before? I'm sorry. Part of your walk is, you know, part of my walk is, is there's certain things that I know that I'm, that I'm really good at, and then there's certain things that I know I'm not good at. And there's certain places that you should go, and there's certain places that you don't go. Mm-hmm. If you've been granted a victory over something, mm-hmm. no bad, no reason to go back and visit it and show that you didn't want. You didn't already want. That's right. Very true. And you can apply that to whatever it is that you want to apply it to. Mm-hmm. It's like some people will tell uh, an alcoholic, well, you, you won, so you know you can go to the bars and watch other people drink because you're strong now. Well, that, that's nothing further than the truth. If you had a problem with it, what do you need to go back for? Very true. That's right. You don't need to go to the liquor store. And then, you know, I'm just saying, if you're strong, you ain't got to choose that for nobody but yourself. That's right. So that, that, that necessarily means whatever it is is your issue. Don't mean you need to go back and visit. Okay. If you've already defeated it, why mm-hmm. keep testing? That's right. Get your hand up. Yes. I'm in a living country of death and I'm in a diet of death. Right. We live amongst each other. Mm-hmm. But uh, our hearts have been taught by the world much of it. As you use the word honesty. Yes. That's almost a bygone word in our culture and society. That's right. And we've taught ourselves not to be honest with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And when we're honest with ourselves, what we're talking about is that inner person mm-hmm. that struggles with the Holy Spirit. Right. That's not right. Not so much this outwardness. Right. But this outwardness is what causes us to suppress the mm-hmm. innerness. Yep. Because we want to be so much accepted in our society and our world. That's right. Very true. Yep. Well, that's why we're talking about it. That's why we're talking about what is it to be a believer in Jesus Christ? It's about being honest. Honest with yourself first. Honest with yourself first before you can disciple one person. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. It should cause you to really pray. This is all about how you develop your prayer life, everyone. This is how you develop your prayer life. If you have a lousy prayer life after being a believer for 20 years, guess what? That's on you. That's your fault. You shouldn't have a lousy prayer life. 
if you've been a believer for any length of time, it should be ongoing and developing as you are searching your heart. Remember, the heart is deceivingly wicked. You have to search your heart and reveal yourself before the Lord and repent of your sin. Even if it means you have to go back and recount the things you've done in your life and recognize, Lord, I sinned greatly. Because you're not even sure if it's been accounted for. But that's how you do your ongoing development as a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, so we've seen how sins erect barriers that prevent our seeing God. Now the next question is, apart from the saving work of Christ, how do our sins erect barriers that keep God from us? Well, we already know that we have a Redeemer who redeems us. The barriers are such that what? You ever, can you, now, we have different kinds of barriers out there. You've got curtains, you've got walls, you've got concrete barriers. I can almost envision in my head, if you allow sin to continue in your life, you might have like a little curtain you can just walk through if you want to turn from it. But the more and more you sin, that curtain turns into a wall. It might turn into sheetrock. It might turn into a concrete barrier. This is all imagery. Because you're relying less and less upon the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ and more and more upon yourself. And remember, if you're relying upon yourself, you're in the flesh. And Satan's having a good time with you because of that fleshly behavior. And all Satan wants to do is kill you. you know, if, if nothing else, remember, Satan wants to destroy you. What does a cat do when they discover a mouse in the middle of the room somewhere? You know what a cat does? Bats it around, just kind of plays with it. That's what Satan does to you. Until the cat kills the mouse. He's just playing with you. From Isaiah's perspective before Christ, sin separated two ways. Subjectively in us, psychologically, and objectively in God. Christ experienced this awful separation during his crucifixion when on our, our behalf... He took upon himself the full penny of our sins. Let's turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. And notice how we're going first to the Old Testament. Isaiah is a fascinating book to read. Um, I don't know how you feel about it. I just... It's just laced with prophecy about Christ. It's a great book to read. Isaiah was truly blessed. He was able to articulate the coming of Christ 800 years before he came and put it in words for us as prophecy. 
Isaiah 53. Now we're going to look at verses, well, let's see here. Yeah, verses 4 and 5. I'm reading from the ESV version. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Look at the descriptives in this verse alone. I haven't even gotten to verse 5 yet. Born our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. He had to pay the penalty for our sin. He had to take it all upon himself. Go to Mark 15. Yes, it does. I remember being with the Lord on something, and the Lord said, I said, oh, thank you, Lord, for taking my stripes, mm-hmm. my beating. Mm-hmm. He said to me, I not only took your beating, but you delivered it. Yeah. That was a genius. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, Christ recognized that He said, forgive them, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. But even though we didn't know, it doesn't really give us a pass. Verse 34 in Mark 15. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did Jesus say that at that moment on the cross? Now remember something. Fully human and fully God. But he was created in the image of God just as we were. He was emotional. We get emotional. So basically... Well, you tell me, why did he respond that way? What was happening? What happens? What was happening? Go back and read what it said in Isaiah again and look at what was happening here. What do you think was going on? He's taking on all of the sin that was experienced by any human being, past, present, or future. What would that do? It creates a barrier. It creates a wall. It creates a blocking where God could not see, uh, Jesus could not see God or his glory at that moment. And he felt forsaken. Forsaken. 
That's what we need to see. And that's that barrier that we're talking about. That's the thing that was taking place on the cross. Remember, in John 17, there is a long prayer. All of John 17 was a prayer that Jesus made preparing for this moment. He knew it wasn't going to be pretty. He knew it was going to be downright ugly. That's why your prayer life needs to get better and better and stronger and stronger if you're going to have any opportunity to sin less. That's what your goal always is every day. Sin less. Not sin more. Sin less. You need to see the effect of sin in your life if it remains unchecked. Even if you have to look at Jesus on the cross to see that. I wonder what was worse for Christ, receiving God's wrath or the removal of God's presence? I don't think you can put a descriptive as to what's worse. Jesus bore that horrible separation from God's presence as he bore our sin. He endured that so you and I would never have to. Do you understand he took upon this sin so that we would not have to deal with this? Yes. Should I be afraid or I'm just going to let it go? That's right. That's true. Everybody get that? The unforgivable sin. The, the unforgivable sin. Remember, all sin, what did Jesus say? All sin will be forgiven except when you reject the Spirit. That is the only sin. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. Individual who dealt with their sin. 
now the only thing is, will we receive him or reject him? That's ultimately what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. It's an act of disobedience. Sure. All right. I'll get Lynn and I'll come over to you. Go ahead. I'm following the train of thought. We try to clean it up. It's like the rich young ruler. Yes. He came and said, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. And Jesus says, there's one thing. He pinpointed it. But part of that is ultimately rejection, like Justin's saying. Satan will get you off on rabbit trails. If you stop talking about people, if you stop murdering, if you stop stealing, they're going to be like, you're all right, but it's still, that's still relying on your fleshly ability to secure your own salvation. Mm-hmm. Christ is trying to get you to understand there's nothing you're ever going to be able to do. There's always going to be that little spot on the garment that messes you up. Your problem isn't all these things that you keep trying to fix. It's the fact that you won't accept the fact that I already fixed it. Okay. Good. Yes. That's right. After all is said and done, you either accept Christ or reject Him. And that's really what it comes down to. Go ahead, Paul. Okay. But but until we receive Christ, just like Pastor said, what difference does it make what your conduct is? Ultimately, it doesn't make any difference. Correct. I mean, it makes a difference here in the realm of treating people right and doing the right thing, but ultimately it does come down to, are you doing it outside of Christ or with God's covering? Absolutely. Paul and I was out to lunch, and he was witnessing to this young lady that's waitress. And he brought her to that point. He brought her to that point about Christ. And at that point, she avoided. Sure. And when she walked away, guess what? There was something in her life she don't want to let go of yet. That's right. And that thing was more important to her. Because she told him she knew what she needed to do. Yep. But she was not willing to do it mm-hmm. at that point. A lot of people are like, well, people aren't stupid, everybody. People are not, you know, well, some people are kind of, you know, but, but some people are just not stupid. They already know what they need to do. 
and what they need to, how to respond. Because they've heard this. Someone said, I don't know what it was, but maybe it was uh, Michael Youssef said it this morning. God is everywhere. People are put in your life to witness to you. He's spoken of in churches. He's spoken of outside of churches. People are all surrounding you. My mother-in-law has been surrounded by God most of her life. Just from the contractors that she would hire to come and fix things, just about every single one of them knew the Lord. Every single one of them. Do you think that's an accident? Of course not. Of course not. It gets to the point where people know what they need to do and they just make a choice. They're not going to do it. It's all about choices, isn't it? Go ahead. Yeah. What he cares about is you saying no to the world and yes to the Lord. As long as you're still saying yes to the world, he's got you already. Yeah. Stop you. And but that's that's those are the barriers we're talking about. It's a barrier. That's a barrier. Whether it's self-imposed or whether Satan's doing it, doesn't really make any difference. Ultimately, it's still your decision. It's your choice. Okay, that's the first bell, right? Praise the Lord. Okay, so, yeah. well, there goes that. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. But we're talking about the gross sin that we face. It was caused by one man. Everything that had life, when he sin and die, it experienced death. Mm-hmm. Everything. I don't care what we try to put in there. We can keep adding to it. But it still means the same thing. Mm-hmm. One man caused it. One man solved the problem. The one man that caused the problem was who? The person that solved the problem was who? And that was when he hung on the cross. That's when, what you were just reading, mm-hmm. it is finished. It is that finished. So that was devastating, whether Adam knew it or not. Okay. But we also know, too, and you're correct, God knew in his wisdom he was going to need to have a remedy. This was even before Adam was created. Yeah, before... Exactly. That's right. So, in other words, nothing catches God off guard. Amen. Yeah. Well, I would. He's gone to do what? He's gone to prepare a place for us. That's right. Christ has paid the objective price for our sin. As God's children, nothing can now separate us from the love of Christ. Go real quick to Romans eight. 35. This is actually following just what Brother Beecher just said. The event of Christ dying on the cross and his resurrection 
the most profound, the most important event in human history. Bar none. There is no more important event when it comes to our eternity. There is no more important event in history. Because we can now read in Romans 8, verses 35 through 39, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. Not just conquerors. More than conquerors. This is what I mean about knowing that you've already got the victory. You're already a winner. Stop playing like you're losing. Stop playing to prevent yourself from losing. Play to win. Play to win. One of the worst things in football is that prevent defense. I hate that. Amen? That's like playing not to lose. You should be sending everybody towards the quarterback. But it's amazing how life shows you stuff and shows you lessons. A prevent defense is doing what? Giving up yardage for the sake of trying to run out the clock. Yeah, might as well be prevent you from winning. Stop playing like you're losing. Verse 38. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are there verses more powerful than that when it comes to the love of Christ for us? In other words, there ain't nothing that's going to separate it. Nothing. Obviously, God would not abandon us. Subjectively, we can feel abandoned when we let sin destroy our intimacy with him. Okay. That's the end. We're on page four. We're going to finish up next week with this and start a new lesson as well, too. But I want you to think on these terms that if you already have the victory in Christ, we need to act like we have the victory in Christ. We need to be searching our hearts and minds and be prayerful about those very things that put up these walls between us and the Lord. And understand, these are walls that we're putting up. He's not putting them up. We're putting them up because of sin in our lives. Interesting how we can see the example of Adam and Eve and this hiding. And boy, does it hit on the head our behavior when it comes to sin. Keep praying, keep seeking, keep finding those things that will help you to recognize where you're sinning, why you're sinning, and find ways to sin less. Sin less.
You already have the victory. Amen? Act like you got the victory. Live like you have the victory. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to have great discussion. And thank you for helping us to focus on being honest with who we are. How we need you. How we, even though we may have been believers, some of us, for quite a long time, we don't dare turn away from what you teach us. There's always something to learn. And there's always something that we need to even learn about ourselves. Lord, we thank you for the Spirit who reveals those things to us. It's our choice to recognize them. It's our choice to do something about them. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your promise in Romans 8. How you'll never leave us or forsake us. And there's nothing that can separate the love you have for us. Lord, help us to love you more going forward. More and more each day. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll pick up next week. See you next time.